What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Celtics Talk podcast, a very Kyle Draperless Celtics Talk podcast. Kyle has the sniffles and uh, is not here, so I'm in the big boy chair. One person who isn't using excuses this week is uh, Sherrod Blakely, who joins us on the phone from... Sherrod, where are you? I'm on vacation in Atlanta. On vacation, and you're still working. A two-day a two, a two, a two vacay. I know. It's, it's amazing. And Draper has but, the sniffles. Well, you know, Draper isn't built for this life, obviously. I mean, and, and you know, this is a big week. Obviously, we want to get the ratings up. So this was actually perfect timing for Draper to sit this one out. It's, we need numbers. It's almost like when Kyrie Irving walks away from the Celtics, the rest of the rest exactly. steps up. So, exactly. Uh, well, we have a very busy show without without Drapes here. We've got, uh, we're going we're gonna to get uh, Brian Scalabrini of 19 different jobs, but mostly with NBC Sports Boston. We'll be on the phone to talk about where he thinks the Celtics stand. Uh, we're going to get Jeff Goodman of Stadium on the line to talk a little bit of NBA draft, because this is our, our, our draft sort of podcast preview as well. And uh, you don't want to miss the 2019 NBA draft preview show we have coming up. Sherrod and I will have the latest details on who the Celtics will pick, while NBC Sports NBA insider Tom Haberstrow will address the latest NBA rumors. You can download the My Teams app to watch the 2019 NBA draft preview show on June 20th. At noon Eastern, I believe you'll see Sherrod on the program around noon. I come in later that afternoon. We got a couple of half-hour programs, kind of set the table, talk about what we're hearing around the league, and certainly now the Celtics have a little bit more uh, things to ponder with picks number 14, 20, and 22. This after the Los Angeles Lakers swoop in and win the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, trading for him on Saturday night, uh, giving up a Quite the, the package of picks. Sherrod, let's start there. What's just your knee-jerk reaction when you heard uh, the, the trade went down and, and sort of uh, how it related to the Celtics? Other than the fact that they're ruining a very, very enjoyable Saturday <laughs> afternoon, once you get past that, you, you realize that th this is, look, this was inevitable. I mean, the Lakers, I, I look at them in many ways the way I see or I saw Toronto last you know when they made the Kawhi deal I mean they they really had nothing to lose the crew that you had uh, as far as what your goals were as an organization was not going to get it done so it's easy for you to just throw everything but LeBron James into the package to get a deal done but I, I don't feel comfortable if I'm a Lakers fan with the fact that the Pelicans now control your draft picks for the next seven eight years or however long it is that to me you, you don't have the ability to grow as an organization you've got an aging LeBron James and you've got an Anthony Davis who while incredibly talented, the guy has averaged 15 plus games missed every year he's been in the league. So you're talking about adding, again, you're adding a talented player who's going to miss games and you've got a lot of instability with the rest of your roster because because of his salary and potentially adding another max level type player salary wise, you're not going to have a lot of flexibility to, to really uh, have the kind of deep bench and, and just depth that I think in this day and age, you're probably going to need. Uh, but fortunately for the Lakers, you've got Golden State redshirting Kevin Durant. <laughs> you've got the, the Warriors redshirting Clay Thompson. And I know both of those guys are you know, pending free agents, but I fully expect both of them to be back and spend their redshirt years with the Warriors next year. And so you've got a one-year window where you can maybe get away with that and, and possibly win a title. But I just think the Lakers, they're, they're going chips all in 
for a very short one, two year window that they're going to pay the price for, I think, five, six, seven years after that down the road. Well, this is not going to be very good. All right. Well, well we're, this show is jam packed. So I'm going to I'm going to limit this. Unlike Kyle, who would just ramble and want to hear his own voice. Uh, let, let's get Brian Scalabrini on the line. Check in with Scal. See how he's feeling about this deal and about the state of the Celtics. All right, let's welcome in Brian Scalabrini. I, I, I was going to run down all your jobs, but, you know, you're, you're one <laughs> you don't have to do that. No, no I'd, like, I'd be here. All, I'd be here all night. It'd be like running down all the assets that the Pelicans <laughs> got back in uh, in the trade. It would, it would take just as long. Uh, what I do want is, is forget about the actual deal itself. Like, give me the Celtics reaction. What, what how did you feel about the Boston Celtics when that deal went down? Well, I think so. Danny's getting more information than we are on the idea of guys being a one-year rental. And if you think about what the Pel- what the Pelicans gave up now, they're giving up Anthony. They're giving up. I'm sorry. The Lakers are giving up. They're giving up all those assets because they know that Anthony Davis is going to resign with them or they have a strong possibility. I mean, I don't know. You don't know what's going to happen with the organization, with LeBron, all those things, but they're assuming that Anthony Davis is going to sign back. I think it would pain Danny or, or Celtic ownership group to be giving like the 2020. Uh, five first round pick for Anthony Davis when he was only here for one year. It would also pain them knowing that if they gave up Jason Tatum or all these future picks and what it could have been for a guy who was only here one year. So when the trade went down and I know that Boston like made an offer, but they were not, it wasn't a strong enough offer. My guess is that Rich Paul told Danny, there's no way that he's going to resign. And Danny took that to a certain extent with Kyrie, Looking like he's going to leave, I think Danny at that point said, "Hell, let's just pull back here. We have this this young group. Let's just develop internally." Yeah, I mean, I, I think what we're looking at here is is the Celtics understanding the marketplace a lot better than we do. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense to, frankly, throw good money out the door. Uh, and, and by that, I simply mean throwing out great talent like Jason Tatum and potentially Jalen Brown and maybe even Marcus Smart for a guy who's not going to give you the kind of, frankly, return that you want. Because let's just assume they made the deal and they won a title you know, next year and then he decides to leave. You got another title, but then you're probably looking at, what, four, five, six more years of trying to build it from the ground up and you won't have the picks uh, and you won't have the players. And so it, it's, it's a gamble that I just don't think, uh, as much as Danny, as we all know, loves to take chances. It was just, I just think the stakes were just way too high and the, the risk, oh, excuse me, the, the risk reward benefit for the Celtics. I just think the, the reward was just too minuscule for them to pull the trigger on. Well, th- does he like to take risks though? I feel like this is the, the maybe the third year in a row where we can sit here and say, and, and understandably so, like I completely get the reluctance, but Scout, like at one point, don't you just have to push the chips in and make the deal? And, and how patient can Danny be waiting for like, I guess that ideal situation where it's not a flight risk, where it's not a guy who only has a certain amount of time left on his contract. Like, is, it, is there a danger in just keeping waiting for that deal? No, I think to a certain extent, yeah, Chris, but if Kyrie leaves, I guess you really have to reevaluate with, I don't know how many, if it was Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, let's just say those guys, because they had to get matched salaries one way or another. So right. if Kyrie left and AD comes, like, are we a championship team? I'm not sure we are. If it, of, the, of the guys that we have to give up, remember, I know that Gordon Hayward is working out at the facility like five, six days a week 
at 6 a.m. So last year we didn't have that run. Mm -hmm. And I get it. I get it that during that run, the East is a lot better. I know that Toronto was a lot better. I know know that Milwaukee is going to be a lot better. But if you really think about it, we're adding a healthy Gordon Hayward to the team that was knocking on the door to the finals. And now you look at the Golden State Warriors and what just happened. It's not just foregone conclusion anymore that oh, nobody can beat the Golden State Warriors. Like the Golden State Warriors don't really exist next year in my mind. So it's up for grabs. Like right now, forget it. Anthony Davidson is in L.A. L.A. right now is the favorite to go to the finals, according to Vegas. Like I think we're better than L.A. So we do have to beat Milwaukee. You know, Kyrie's gone. I mean, I allegedly he's gone. So there's a lot of things that this this group right here could sort of trip into a championship. It's kind of the way that Toronto tripped into a championship with KD and, and Clay Thompson going down. So I'm not I'm not down on on what we currently have right now. And I love rookie scale contracts. It gives you a lot of mm. flexibility moving forward. You know, I just wonder what this team is going to be like if Kyrie were to leave. What, what the guys look like. You know, night in and night out. You know, a year ago, they, the city of Boston loved this team for many reasons. And then last year, this past season, they didn't love this team. They almost hated this team. So if we, get a, we get this team that people love. They're hard playing. They fight for everything. Who's, who's to say that you can't be championship caliber with this squad right here? Right. And, and, and to, to Scal's point, you're going to have to get some breaks along the way to be a championship caliber team. I mean, when you look at Golden State's run, they went through that first play, that title run where they didn't play a starting point guard up until Kyrie in the finals. And he was going after one game. And then the, yeah. their, their other title run, you know, Kawhi goes down in that game, you know, where, you know, they wound up sweeping the, the Spurs that year. But the Spurs were going to win that game. Uh, they, they were up by 20 plus points. Kawhi goes down. Everything changed literally that night and in that series. So those two of their three title runs, they got a break that just simply was a huge factor in them winning a title. And if you're the Boston Celtics, the one thing you want to have going into the season is a team with talent, a team that if you get a break or two, you've got the talent that can take advantage of that. As Cal pointed out earlier, Toronto, that's exactly what they got. I mean, they got a Kevin Durant that was, you know, pretty much done for the entire series. And then in a deciding game, Clay goes down. Other guys, Looney was was banged up. Uh, Iguodala was banged up. Those are things that Toronto had absolutely no control over, but those are clearly factors that weighed in their favor. And you need that. But more than anything else, you need to have talent. And if you're the Celtics, by standing pat, you maintain a certain level of talent that when you start looking at the Eastern Conference from top to bottom, certainly they're in the upper tier when it comes to that. See, the only reluctance I have is do they have the top five guy? I think you need to have one of those guys to to be a legit title contender. I completely agree. You know, it, this young core has so much potential, and I understand why they want to ride it out with that. I just wonder if they have the top-end talent uh, to get there. And it, it remains to be seen. Scal, are we just completely shutting the door on Kyrie, or is there a chance he shows up for a meeting this week and is like, hey, I never changed my mind. I never said anything. I, I'd no, like I mean, to be I don't. I don't know anything that's going on. I just know that all the word is that he's recruiting hard for Brooklyn. So I, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he changes his mind. I mean, he's done it before. <laughs> as we've seen last year. So I don't know what he's going to do. But all the word coming out is yeah, he's probably going to leave. But, you know, if, if, if you sign back Rozier and he has a, a year where he's he's good, not where he's like, 
like, you know, mentally, like, why was I, why am I getting yo-yoed in and out of the lineup? And, and, and to be real, you got to play good to win. You can't just be a okay. Okay. Guys on the Celtics, Jason Tatum can't have the year he had. I really like what Jalen Brown did. Al Horford's got to figure out to be better. And Gordon Hayward's got to be a lot better. So mm-hmm. I think his team has a lot of improvement. And clearly they were messed up this year. I'm not, and I'm not even a chemistry guy. I will say this to what you said, Chris, about having a top five guy. You know, I think top five guys are those guys that allow you to take kind of bad shots. They kind of bail you out. You see Clyde Leonard like go on those runs. I understand that. But as a group, this team has to become – like a top five efficient offense. That's what they need to become. Not, it's not have a top five guy. We got to start to stop taking those dang pull up jump shots. I don't understand why we take so many of those. And I don't understand like talent. If they have so much talent, why, why can't they drive the ball to the basket and get more uh, uh, free throw attempts and get more points in the restricted area? And I, and I've said it many, many times on the broadcast. I hated our shot profile, hated it. I just, I thought it was just we bailed out a lot. We took bad shots early in the shot clock. It was my turn. It was your turn. So if if, if Brad Stevens could clean all that stuff up, then we can have like we can reevaluate this conversation on whether this team is a championship caliber team. But I don't care who's on the roster. Anthony Davis. You want to bring LeBron over? It doesn't matter. If we take the same shots that we took last year, we're, we're not going to be good. Yeah, I mean, I, I love to see more drive and kick, to be honest, because I, because I, to me, you're forcing the defense to react to you, and that I like to see the defense, you know, more in motion, trying to rotate, uh, and I don't think we saw enough of that, and, and part of that, I, I think, is just that they became jump, you know, jump shot happy. Uh, they they settled, I thought, way more offensively than I think they needed to, and and I think, the, the, you know, to to Scal's point, they have to be more connected. They're they're not going to have any shot at going deep into the playoffs if they're not more aligned with one another. Because, again, they don't have that one guy that can put the whole crew on his back and carry them, you know, night in, night out, the way a Kawhi Leonard could, the way a LeBron James can, uh, you know, the way, you know, James Harden, those type of guys. Uh, that's not who they are. That's not how they're built. Uh, and it's going to require guys like Gordon Hayward and, and Jason Tatum, to me, those two guys, more than anyone else, to really elevate their game. Gordon has to go back to the guy that we saw or close to the guy we saw in that last year at Utah or the guy that we saw in that first round series against the Pacers where he was getting to any and every spot he wanted to and just absolutely murdering the Pacers. We need to see that that type of play uh, if this team is going to have any shot at shocking the world and, and being a title contender. Well, the other big thing is Al Horford, right? Like the big deadline tomorrow, which is sort of a soft deadline. They can move it. But Al's got to decide if he wants to opt in. And I guess on the surface, $30.1 million, you say, oh, just take it and figure out your future after that. But he's coming off a season where did have some wear and tear on those knees. And obviously, I, I think Al in a vacuum would love to sort of get a few more years here and ride it out. But this is a different team than maybe he probably was expecting. Do we think Al is on board with the youth movement? And does he want to be part of, of sort of uh, seeing what that 2018 playoff core can do? Yeah, I think that he's fine with that. I think he, if you if you gave Al a choice between two years ago's team or last year's team, he'd take two years ago's team all day. And you you are getting you're probably going to get. And I and I I think Brad probably re- reflects a lot on this year and says, you know, I'm going to coach these guys way harder than I did. I'm not going to allow this stuff right from the beginning. I was just I was working out there, and he was telling me in September, he was telling me that in September. 
like it was bad. Like their pickup games were bad. Guys were just jacking up bad shots. Everyone was just going one on one. He's like, we're gonna we're gonna stop that. We're gonna send guys to work out with guys. We're gonna work on things that we need to work on. It's I, I kind of after that long run, I kind of maybe let go of the rope a little too much for these guys in their individual workouts. I think he's gonna clean all that up. Like I said, Jalen Brown's in there. Uh, I think he's in there five days a week. Gordon Hayward's in there six days a week, and he's working out twice a day. So I think there's a lot of guys committed. And when you think about Al Horford, yeah, the rest of those guys do have to play well. And the more Al gets the ball, moves the ball, we won't see that heavy diet of the high pick and roll with him and Kyrie like we saw probably last year. But the more Al, the offense runs through Al, but he doesn't have to be assertive, you know, you know, over the course of an 82 game season, you know, might be, we might see a little bit more load management from him, you know, moving forward. But I just think that these guys, if they come back with a hungry mindset, once again, Chris, Sherrod, everyone listening, the Golden State Warriors do not exist next year. Like everything that we've known for five straight years has now changed. This is the reason why the Lakers went all in. They, they went all in on Anthony Davis. They gave up assets out to Kazoo. Ridic- it was a ridiculous trade. They should have never gave up that much for a, a guy who, you, if you really worked it, could have signed. But they're going in all in this year because the Golden State Warriors do not exist as we know it. So my point is you don't have to be better than Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green. You gotta be better than LeBron and uh, aging LeBron and Anthony Davis. So, and hopefully they keep doing all those Hollywood shows like the barbershop <laughs> and the million dollar mile. And they're focused on that. And then we can come up and sneak a championship in because right now it does look like if you looked out West, who's coming out of the West, it, you'd be hard pressed not to pick the, the Lakers, even though I got to do some really some studying and see how they fill out their roster. But it does seem like they're the favorite to come out of the West. And all you got to do is navigate that beast named Giannis Antetokounmpo and you can figure out a way to get there. I think Toronto's going to be a little bit old and worn out a year later after a deep playoff run. Yeah, because that, that, that run that Toronto went on, I mean, those guys, they're not built for that. I mean, they had a great run, give them credit for winning the title, but it's not like that's something that they have been conditioned to do over and over again. And, and to your, your, your point initially about Al Horford, I think that he is going to resign and he's going to do some type of longer-term deal with the Celtics because Al right now, he's at that point where you have to start thinking long and hard about your body and the ability to just kind of pace yourself. And I think the Celtics, they really did well by Al Horford this year as far as the load management is concerned. And I think for Al, there's this comfort level that you have with the medical staff and the coaching staff that they're going to make sure that you're in the best shape possible for the playoffs. And to go somewhere else uh, where you've got to start that whole process over again. Uh, And Scott, you know this as well as anybody. I mean, there's a certain level of trust that you're not going to have from day one with the new team. It's something that's going to have to come over time and I just don't think Al is at that point in his career where he believes that yeah starting over is going to significantly improve my chances and to your point about just you know other than you know maybe the Lakers uh maybe Denver and here in the east Milwaukee's probably still the, the team to beat his chances are probably as good or better now than they were last year because he's going to be playing with guys who have been through the fires without Kyrie and have found some success. And I think the one thing they have now is wisdom on their side. When they did it back in 18, you know, they were just, frankly, just balling out. They had nothing to lose. Uh, now there's a little bit, there'll be a little bit more pressure on it only because we know that this group has done it before, but they've got the benefit of having gone through this past season and how things just went so sideways so quickly and how that can significantly impact your chances at winning. And I, I just think that they're going to be in a better headspace. And Brad, you know, he, again, 
made it clear he was going to do a deep dive this offseason and figure out how to be better as a coach. That, that accountability, I think, is going to trickle down to the rest of the guys that are back that, you know what, we have to be better as a group because not one of us is going to get it done and get that title. We have to do it as a group. All right, last thing, Scal. If Kyrie does walk away, are you comfortable with Terry Rozier as your starting point guard, or do you think they should explore what's out there? Rondo, uh, Ish Smith. I mean, like, it's not an overwhelming list. I mean, do you go to the draft? I'm telling you, Ish Smith is a future wait, Celtic. That, wait, wait, we went from uh, Rondo to Ish Smith? My God. Yeah, I would, I would, I mean, um, be interested to see what happens to Mike Conley as well. Right. You know, I just, I just, there's a lot of, I'd be interested. I, listen, I love Terry Rozier. I, I like how he kind of came out after the season and said, like, I'm not doing that again if I read back, basically. And, and, and you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but I like I like I like Terry Rozier. I know he had a bad year this year, but I think there's so much to the game of basketball that's rhythm and feel. And you got people chirping in your ear about stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the, I think the price is going to be a lot less this year. For him, then, like you know, if, if someone comes in at seventeen, eighteen million, then I'd probably see. I probably would. He'll probably walk. But because someone, if someone comes in at thirteen million, and, and there's no Kyrie, I can definitely see the Celtics doing. I'd be, I'd be comfortable with that. I've always thought Marcus Smart. You know, like ever since day one, he's been my one of my favorite players here, and I, I would play him as much as his body can sustain, and he could play at a high level, but. I would have no problem with those two guys playing together. It's not it's some different starting lineups. Not at all. It's almost very similar to what Toronto did, just like having different lineups come, uh, against different teams based off of – or just you've seen Fred Van Fleet starts the second half. Danny Green right. starts the first half. So I, I would uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if Brad does some 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 things like that. But I, I love Terry. I've always loved Terry Rozier. I know he had an awful year, but I still loved the game. Yeah, I'm I'm a big T. Rose fan as well. And the thing I like about him is that when he has been in position where he's playing and not looking over his shoulder, i.e. no Kyrie, he's been really good. Uh, You look at his record, he's 22-8 and as a starter, averaging about 15 points, five boards, five assists, uh, shooting the ball better when he's starting versus when he's not starting. I just think he's one of those guys who's at that point in his career where he felt he had played well enough and earned a right to be a significant factor in whatever team he played for, and whether it's Boston or elsewhere. He wants that opportunity. And I think, you know, if you're Terry Rozier and if you're the Celtics, it makes a lot of sense if Kyrie's not coming back to bring him back because of his familiarity with the system, because he has shown himself to be a guy that can, you know, he he can have some big games when you need him in the playoffs. Uh, And maybe most important, Scott pointed out, salary. You're going to be able to get a starting point guard for under $15 million, most likely. And that's, you know, in this day and age, that's a good deal. All right. Well, you guys are, are very optimistic. Rarely am I the most pessimistic guy on, on the show, but I guess sitting in Draper's chair, it's it's uh, it's rubbing off on me, all the all the bad Draper vibes. So, uh, Scal, get back. Why, to- why are you down about it? I want to hear it, Chris. Okay, so real, real, real quick. The only reason I'm down about it is I think for – uh, the Celtics spent their, their their front office is so forward thinking, so smart, and they spent all this time and energy building towards the potential acquisition of a star. And the Lakers are a dysfunctional, absolute circus tent of a mess, and they stumble ass backwards into a trade. And if I'm a Boston, if I'm if I'm the Celtics front office, I sit there and slap my head and say, How do we sit here and put in all this work and collect these assets and be ready to pounce and then? through circumstances really beyond their control, whether that's in-house with their own team and going through a bad season and Gordon Hayward's injury and the Lakers just stumble into the number four pick and are able to put together the package. I just think that's got to be frustrating. 
when you have a vision and now you're forced to audible a little bit. That doesn't take anything away from what this team can be. I just think the best path to an immediate title contention was to keep Kyrie and bring in Anthony Davis, and maybe those two were intertwined. And I just think it's got to be frustrating for members of that front office to just have to constantly audible here and kind of wait for what's next because they have to be as antsy as anybody to put together a, a title roster. Chris, are you, uh, did you watch the movie Charlie Wilson's War? I have not, but I guess I have to put it on my Netflix. Oh, you definitely should. At the end of the movie, they talk about going in and they spend $10 million and they and they beat Russia because of how they used Afghanistan to do it. And at the end, it's amazing. I can't believe we did this. And the guy says, we'll see. And they go on, but what about this and what about that? And the guy says, we'll see. So my whole point, and you should watch this, it's a great line. I use this line a lot because we all think like things are always going to work out. Like, oh, man, we traded Isaiah Thomas for – for Kyrie Irving, and it's like an unbelievable trade, and Danny fleeced him. Well, we'll see. And then Kyrie Irving walks, and we think it's going to be bad. And Or if Gordon Hayward gets hurt, and we think that last year was going to help us this year, and we said, we'll see, and it didn't really help us out. Now we think the team is heading south because we didn't get Anthony Davis and Kyrie's walking. My point is just, we'll see. Ooh, I love that. That's where we're going to end it. That's the kicker line. All right, we'll see. Brian Scalabrini. Go back to your 19 jobs. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for making time it. for the Celtic podcast. All right. Thanks, Gal. Back to uh, back to all of his jobs. And, and uh, you know, he's been yapping on the radio all day. I'm, I, I'm surprised he had much energy left for us. But now I, I need more perspective, Sherrod. So let's let's get our good buddy Jeff Goodman on the phone. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about this deal and, and a little bit about the NBA draft. All right, let's welcome in our good friend, Jeff Goodman. Uh, Jeff, I want to start here I want uh, because we just had Scal on the line and it, there was a lot of green Kool-Aid being chugged about the state of the Celtics and how he, he wants, he, he, he believes, I think at one point he said the Celtics right now, even as if Kyrie Irving were to walk away, have a better roster than the Lakers. Uh, so I want to start there and I just want to get your take. Uh, when, when the Anthony Davis to the Lakers trade went down, what was your reaction in terms of where the Celtics stand at the moment? I mean, listen, there, there's still a lot of work to do, right? I mean, we got to figure out, are, are they going to resign Terry Rozier? That, that's, to me, the biggest thing upcoming. How much does another team throw in front of Terry Rozier? Is it $15 million a year? Is it $11 million a year? And, and are the Celtics prepared I know Danny likes him. I know he likes him a lot. Um, is he going to be their guy? Yeah. Uh, here's the here's the thing, though. Um, and you mentioned Terry Rozier and, and how just important he is. Uh, you know, Terry turned down a twelve million a year extension back in the fall. Um, how do you think the price point for him has changed, modified, or is, will it be? Do you think around that same neighborhood? Well, who wants him, right? I mean, how many how many teams? need a point guard at the end of the day, right? Like 30, Phoenix, I believe <laughs> it's like, it, it, do, it feels I'll, like it, right? Like, like every one. team out there yeah. needs a point guard this off season, I guess. But like, how many really need one? Well, like okay, Phoenix is probably going to draft one at six, right? They're going to get yep. Garland or Kobe white and give one of them the ball. Uh, the Knicks, you know, do the Knicks put forth an offer? I, I think Terry Rozier is going to be a guy that, you know, teams may not prioritize early. Uh, he, he may have to wait and see kind of what happens with him. Danny may wait kind of like with Marcus Smart and, and see if teams step up. Uh, nobody may early. They may kind of wait to see if they get their, their bigger name uh, guys. 
And then again, or do you go with Marcus Smart at your point guard? And and I don't love that. I don't I don't know if I love either for a team that's going to go in. And again, I'm a big Terry Rozier fan, and I know what he did a year and a half ago in the playoffs in the second half of the season. But I still don't know if with this team, um, I, I love Terry Rozier as, as your full-time point guard with these guys around him to go back to where they were two years ago. One thing we didn't get into with Scal, and, and to kind of throw it ahead real far, is the, so now the Celtics are sort of in wait-and-see mode, right? Like they've got to wait for their next star. I think they can be competitive with what they've got, but ultimately, all right, so they they passed on Jimmy Butler and Paul George and Kawhi, and now Anthony Davis goes away. So, Jeff, like if you look into your crystal ball, like who's the next star that could become on the market and, and, and who should, like, I guess it, you know, who, who should the Celtics prioritize if, if something did start to shake out? I mean, they have their next star. It's Jason Tatum. I mean, he, he's their star. He's to me. I still believe he's going to be a perennial all-star in the NBA. And I think with Kyrie gone, we're going to start to see that. Does he need to improve in terms of, you know, finishing around the basket and taking better shots and uh, sure. But again, like last year was so tough to evaluate because every guy, when they got the ball was forcing it. Nobody was in a rhythm, you know, uh, whether it was due to Kyrie or whatever, but everybody was kind of on shorter minute stance. And when they got the ball, they were probably doing things with it that they wouldn't normally do because they were afraid they weren't going to get it back other than Kyrie, of course. <laughs> so I, I think you're going to see Jason Tatum play a lot freer, a lot it, and there's going to be more put on him. And and I think um, he'll be ready for it to some extent. He'll be up and down. I mean, you know, you, you got to get Al back, obviously, and I think he will be. you got to get Gordon, Gordon back to being a number two guy. Like, he doesn't have to be a number one like he was in Utah. He can be a number two, and that's fine, because I think as long as he's a solid number two and a fringe all-star, then I think it takes some of the pressure off of Tatum, and then you've got Al and Again, I think the biggest key, and Jalen is your like fourth guy. The biggest key to me is at the point guard spot. The biggest thing that I think you got to realize after last year is you better get the chemistry right on this team mm-hmm. because talent and bad chemistry and, and one bad egg can screw it all up for everybody. Uh, that's what happened. I mean, listen, you know, you hate to say it, but like Kyrie leaving is probably addition by subtraction. <laughs> At this point, and I never thought I'd say that. I never thought I'd say it because, again, you can't win without talent. And I'm not saying they can win it all this year um, with Kyrie gone, but I'm saying they're going to be a whole lot more fun to watch. And they were a year and a half ago in the playoffs. They were uh, painful to watch, dreadful to watch this this past year. Um, every source I've talked to uh, said it, it was hard for Brad Stevens to coach Kyrie. And, and really, Kyrie didn't fit into Brad's offense anyway. Like, Brad wants to get out and run. That's not Kyrie. It's just not. That's not how he plays, right? I mean, he, he plays in the half court, much more effective. He's not, you know, the, the reason they were really good a year and a half ago, two years ago, was, again, you had Terry Rozier getting up and down with Tatum. Jalen Brown's at his best running. We know that. Mm-hmm. So you got to get guys that fit Brad's st- style and, and also want to actually listen to Brad Stevens. Like, I, I don't understand how anybody can be unhappy playing for Brad Stevens and his style. Like, nobody in the world doesn't like Brad Stevens. And I'm not saying Kyrie doesn't like him. So, so I guess that, that may be inaccurate there. But 
you know, nobody in the world wants to leave Brad Stevens and the freedom that he – anybody that lets Marcus Smart shoot threes anytime he wants, like seriously – like, why would you want to leave that? Yeah, I feel like Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas is watching from afar being like, You're, what are you doing? You're so right. dumb. Right. You moron. <laughs> right. yeah. Jeff, uh, looking ahead to the draft on Thursday night, Celtics got those three picks, 14, 20, 22. What, what do you think they do now that it's, it's, it's pretty clear that there's going to be a little bit of a youth movement? Do you think they're more likely to keep them and, and go for swings of the bat? Or do they try to bundle and go 2015 style where they wanted to move up and get Justice Winslow? You know, what, what's your take on, on what you think the Celtics might do on draft night? Well, I'll, I'll say this, that 14 isn't all that different than four. Now, you're not going to get your pick, but I will say if, like, they get – to me, you need a, a guy that can shoot the ball, right? Like, you need a wing that can come off screens and shoot the ball. I got him taken in my, my latest mock draft, Tyler Hero out of Kentucky. I think that's, that's what a he great, is. That, that's a great – place to have him jeff smart minds have him at 14 is that where you have him yeah <laughs> yeah i i think you know he or or a kid like Nikhil alexander walker is another one yeah. i think he's gone by 14 but mm-hmm. out of virginia tech he's got good size he can move the ball but but more importantly he can shoot the ball and, and that's what you're going to need uh to me if you're the celtics for next year especially so i, I think i don't see him keeping all three because I don't think you can add three more young, young players to this roster. You know, maybe you stash one and you take a European guy or you take somebody that you could stash overseas. Or, you you know, you, you could try to move up. I mean, certainly you can try. I don't know why you really would. I'd probably trade uh, one of them for a future first round. Like, if you could trade one of them for a 2022 pick, that's what I'd be doing because that's the year – that it's likely that high school kids are going to be able to go straight into the draft right. and that draft is going to be loaded. So there'll be somebody that just wants somebody now. And if you're the Celtics, you're saying, you know what? We get it. This draft is not very strong. Let's trade one or both. I trade both. If you could keep 14, trade the other two 20 and 22 and, and, and try to package them for like a, you know, a team that, that might be towards the, the, the top of the draft in, in 2022. It makes sense, especially because the Celtics are going to need assets if they're for, to pounce when that next star becomes available. Certainly they've got the Grizzlies pick, but, you know, you're going to want to have stuff you can bundle together if, uh, if another star does slide onto the market. Uh, my, my, my fantasy has been if Kobe White stays on the board. Uh, that you know maybe that could help them, but like I, I, I'm guessing the the picks they have aren't good enough to get up to a spot, uh, considering where where he'll come off the board. No way. No, I think no. Kobe White goes seven to the Bulls. I think Darius Garland's off the board in the top six or seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other guy that I like for the Celtics, but again, he's going to go higher for a big down the road is Jackson Hayes. Mm-hmm. I love him, but I think yeah. he's be, I think he's going to be top eight or ten at the worst. So. You know, again, maybe if you package 14, um, 20, and the problem is you're probably going to have to throw something else in there. Yeah. And I don't know what else you have. Uh, all right. Well, Jeff Goodman, you need to get in here because we're going to go scream about this on television. But uh, thank you for taking a few minutes. Jeff Goodman of Stadium and CLNS Media's podcast, the Good and Plenty podcast. Is that right? Because you just had Jason Tatum on. That is right. So yes, Jason Tatum should... was good. I found out some interesting things. I'm, I'm going to try to teach Jason Tatum how to whistle. 
I don't, I can't do it. But if you guys, either one of you guys is really good at whistling, um, maybe you guys can help me teach you. I'm not good, but I can do better than him. Like he, he wouldn't even try. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I just take solace in knowing that I'm better at that's at something than Jason. That's something. That, well, he's better at changing diapers than you. Yeah, that is guarantee. true. I've, I've already forgotten as, as, a, as a dad, you know, it's amazing how quickly <laughs> you move on from that. Yes. Yes, you do. All right, Jeff Goodman. Thank you very much, sir. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Later. All right, Sherrod. But you know what? I got to say, both Scal and Goodman were a lot more optimistic than I thought they would be in the aftermath of this deal. I'm starting to wonder if, I, if I'm Debbie Downer over here, uh, a little too caught up in the fact that the Celtics didn't get their white whale, but ignoring that they still have talent here. Uh, you know, like maybe, am, I, am I off base? I think you're way off base on this. And here's why, Chris. This is this is why. I, I think that the Eastern the NBA as a whole is gonna be so wide open this year that talent is gonna be at a premium. And then I think talent and chemistry have to go hand in hand. And I, I think, you know, the Celtics, they've got those two things I think going for them with the way they're constructed now. I think they need to get really hit a home run in the draft and get them a, a knockdown shooter. Because I think that'll open up a lot of things for Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Gord Hayward, and Al, and all those guys. Um, but I, I'm feeling good about them because I don't believe that they're, uh, with Golden State basically having a red shirt, 40% of their starting lineup, uh, I think there is a clear avenue for teams in both the East and the Western Conference to feel as though they've got a legitimate shot of being the last team standing. Any chance Kyrie comes back? Oh, there's always a chance. There's always a chance. Uh, I would say slim to none. Uh, I, I just, I mean, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I think there's been too many smoke signals and, and, and things of that nature that are trending towards him going elsewhere. And if you're the Celtics, you know, I, you know, as, as Jeff pointed out, you know, it may very well wind up being one of those addition by subtraction type things. Um, and, and so I, I think the Celtics, they're, they're, I think they're resigned to the fact that if he leaves, we're going to be okay. And if he stays, we'll figure that out too. Well, one thing is certain, we will be back later this week. We'll have the, to, to digest the draft and everything that goes on that night. Make sure you tune in on Thursday again, our NBA draft preview show streaming online. Make sure you download the My Teams app. Watch that with us and Tom Habistro. Getting you ready for that night's draft. We'll probably be back later in the week to, to again, to, to figure out, sort out the mess. I think there's a little pressure on the Celtics. I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do on draft night, but I do think, you know, if they do extend that deadline with, with Al, they've got to sell him a little bit on why he wants to be back. So maybe there's another move to be made and maybe there's some intrigue that comes out of that. I uh, want to say thank you to both Jeff Goodman and Brian Scalabrini for jumping on the Celtics Talk podcast. We need you guys to on your favorite podcasting app to subscribe and give us all those five-star reviews for the missing Kyle Draper. I'm Chris Forsberg and uh, Sherrod, go back and enjoy your vacation. This is above and beyond the call of duty. Both teams play hard. Both <laughs> teams play hard. All right. Hope Kyle gets better and, you know, we can get him some Kleenex or something like that. Maybe he'll feel better. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely going to spend it. Was. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be listening. He's going to come back angry, but uh, that's going to do us for, uh, for this week's edition of the Celtics talk podcast. We are out. <laughs>